ADT professionally installs Google Nest products, helping to make your home safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security system from virtually anywhere. And with Nest Cams and Nest Doorbell, you get intelligent alerts on what matters most. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. We may be a day late, but we are back with the latest edition of the E-League Report, the best damn esports show you'll listen to this week. I'm Brian, he's seven, and we're coming at you live from a rain-soaked security booth outside the E-League studios. <laughs> brutal, brutal. I didn't know the intro, but now that I know the context, uh, you know, being on the list counts sometimes. You know, sometimes they really don't want to claim us, is really what it boils <laughs> right. down to. Coming up on this episode, a surprising team brings us home the Rocket League E-League Cup. Some big changes are coming to the HCT. The final two Overwatch teams have branding, and Epic decides it's big enough to go after Steam. But first, it seems that Valve has finally grown a pair. The drama surrounding the TNC Predator player Cuckoo is reaching a fever pitch this week. Uh, casting talent began threatening to boycott if Cuckoo is not allowed to play in the upcoming Dota 2 Major. Uh, the local government said that they were going to cancel the Major if he ended up showing up. And apparently Valve finally got sick of this and released a statement banning Cuckoo, saying, Our view of the situation is that responsibility resides with the teams to handle these types of issues professionally. When they fail to do so, we will step in. And while it is one thing to make a mistake and apologize, it is quite another thing for the team to lie about it or try to create cover for an individual player. TNC has mishandled the situation on multiple occasions, making the situation much worse than it needed to be. With that said, is with Valve placing the blame on TNC Predator, why wouldn't they just ban the whole team? Well, I don't think the whole team deserves a ban, in all honesty. I think what happens is... is uh, most players uh, should have been banned for what he did already, and they placed it and they gave him the exception and let TNC Predators to handle the situation, which they didn't do, which then put Valve again at the front of this like, well, they should have just done it the first time. Yeah, well, yeah, they should have. They really should have. Uh, and they gave a TNC the the possibility to to handle it themselves. As they mentioned, they didn't do it. They lied about it. Now they've created all this. All these problems. Valve is being dragged into it. Uh, the government of China uh, is essentially being involved. And so Valve is like, he, they're more afraid of them than they are Washington State's board around uh, around like the gambling yes, than, yes. They all, than they are anybody else. But and there's one big reason why. Because the international is in China this coming year. Yeah, so they've got to play nice. They've got to play nice. I mean, there was even, even if he did get there, they, I think they mentioned that he might not be able to enter the country even. Right. Uh, the, the government, as you mentioned, was going to cancel it. They said if he if he plays, it's we're we're not letting it happen. And uh, I think there was even mention that the organizers were afraid about his his safety and they couldn't. Yeah, they said it. they literally could not. The officials say that they could not actually guarantee his safety if he were to enter the uh, province, which is interesting. Yeah, it, so is. it sounds like a veiled threat. It does. It does. It sounds uh, like maybe there was more to this. Uh, coming out of uh, viewers or the community in China than we know about because originally like some of the players weren't really too put off by it. Right. The community was. Yes. 
especially okay. the Chinese community, which you know is to be fair. Now, the question is, is, what do you think about the casters who have said that they will not cast if he is not able to go? Because now we know he's not able to go. So Grand Grant and Admiral Bulldog have both said that they would pull out. Now, this is prior to Valve banning Cuckoo directly. Is this the right thing to take a stand on? No, no, not at all. As, as someone who's casted events, you are essentially a, a contractor and a freelancer. And if you're starting to throw your name behind some of the politics like this, especially when, in, in this case... He's in the wrong. wrong. Yeah, you're in the wrong. And I understand some of the points, but even the points I do understand uh, around why someone might want to do this as a caster, all the actual real reasons why you should just not be a part of this or heavily outweigh those reasons right like there's just i don't know why you would do this yeah it's like i'm not racist but dot 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 <laughs> it, it, it kind of is yeah it's kind of like saying that as a caster like i'm not racist but if this racist doesn't get into play i'm not going to comment like why don't why hit your you horse that? to this one how stupid because valve not above being petty Ever. Now, always not above being petty. They will make sure you never cast for their games again. Yeah. they. I mean, they have cut people from Dota 2 who have done far less uh, or have done things that, like, not even at nearly as bad as, as that. Yep. Uh, they've cut them from casting. And to, to threaten Valve is ridiculous. Yep. You're basically, Cuckoo's still not going to play. Now you're not going to cast, and uh, everybody's going to get their way anyway. So good right, job. Right. And speaking of not playing, Silk Thread has decided to hang up his mouse and keyboard. The former LA Gladiator player who just recently signed with the Chengdu Hunters has decided to retire from competitive play, citing burnout, which we all know and love, uh, from long play sessions and the mental overhead of translating the comms for his team. So this has been happening more frequently, as I mentioned, with players focusing on like streaming, someone wanting to go back to school instead. Yep. Is this something that organizations should be concerned with? Yeah. So you and I have talked in the past about how we worry that streaming is still the better alternative to esports. Yes. The hours, while also long, are not as strenuous. And you make a lot more money in most cases from streaming if you're a popular streamer. Now, when you talk about it from a burnout perspective, we have to remember most of the people who are in their peak in their esports careers are also college-aged individuals. And it becomes, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? Which I know I can't, especially if you're playing a game like an Overwatch, a Call of Duty, uh, CSGO, because it's very, very dependent on your reaction times. Or... Do I go back to school and not miss out on education? In the case in, with Silk Thread, he's basically saying, I'm burned out. This takes way too much work. Now I'm on this Chinese team, so when I'm listening to the comms, I'm having to translate Chinese into English, so it's even more mental overhead, which makes my sessions even more exhausting. My heart's just not in it anymore. I'm going back to school. I think esports organizations, both the teams themselves and the developer-run leagues and ESL and E-League even, need to pay attention to this trend because... If they don't start reining in these through player rules, this is why we need you know some of the you know player associations and things of that nature. They're going to start to lose some of their top players to this. This potentially has the same level of threat to reducing the quality of play as we see with maybe concussions in the NFL and how players are starting to say, you know what, this isn't worth it to me. Getting a concussion and being you know brain damaged for the rest of my life not worth it. I'm getting out. You're starting to see the same amount of people look at this and go, you know what? Esports is ruining my life. It is making me depressed. It is. Ca- I mean, we we talk about with uh, Pine on NYXL and how he was having panic. I mean, this is real serious health shit, right? This is not. This is why I compare it to concussions. This is not just like oh, I'm tired from playing video games. Like this is like I'm not sleeping at night. 
I'm having panic attacks. I'm having migraines. It's a problem. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. I think that there is a lot of uh, mental fatigue that goes on, a lot of mental like wear and tear, essentially, even though it's like, not necessarily physical all the time, uh, which it can be when I think he cited like 14-hour-long play sessions and stuff. I mean, that's, that's a, a lot to deal with. And then to essentially uh, have to constantly translate mandarin to english to understand what's going on oh it's super bad right and then to on top of on top of on top of that you it's got to be a culture shock to go from an english-speaking team in north america america to a chinese team and just the cultural differences alone that's a lot to bear for someone who's of a college age it's a lot to bear for like even me i i wouldn't want i wouldn't want to do i wouldn't want to be in that spot having lived in a foreign country it is very – you do not understand how exhausting it is to have everybody around you not speaking in your native language and having to translate everything. And communication is ten times tougher even for those people that do speak English, even if you do speak some Mandarin. It can be very, very challenging. So to do that at high level of play in a competitive video game is just mind-boggling to me. Like, So I, I can totally see how that would wear on him. So sticking with Overwatch, the Overwatch community is concerned over the San Francisco shock and after-hour gaming league's supposed mismanagement of charity funds. So 59 teams signed up for a charity event, each paying a $200 entry fee, but it remains unknown why only 4,000 of the potentially 11.8 thousand that was raised was donated to the Bay Area Extra Life Foundation. To top it off, there are no details on how the finances are broken down in the AHGL handbook. Not not a good look when you decide that you're going to go into uh, do some charity work and then all of a sudden, uh, like fifty to sixty percent of it just goes poof into thin air. Sorry, I'm laughing about eleven point eight thousand. I just make it up numbers. Here. Eleven thousand eight hundred dollars uh, was raised was donated. Uh, by the the teams essentially it was a part of their their funds to get into the actual league now i will tell you where the money went i know where the money went it went to actual production value they paid production people to do their stuff now you can say yes or no it's a charity whatever it may be it's i mean it's it's a rarity to find paying gigs sometimes in esports we complain about the fact that People in video games work crazy amount of hours. Well, the reason why they work crazy amount of hours because even if they choose not to, somebody else essentially who wants to get into the industry will do it for free. Will do it for less. And so it's the same kind of thing. And so when I was doing uh, the little bit of insight here, when I originally signed on to do the After Hour Gaming League's Hearthstone, I was going to handle all of their Hearthstone stuff. Uh, and I turned it over to a great caster by the name of Bemi, who who did both production and helped uh, bring in some casters, just because I was moving everything that was going on. Did he pay for that plug? Uh, no, he didn't. He didn't. But he's great. He's You're actually he's actually uh, he's even now hopped onto. Well, he's doing WESG. He's handling all that, and he's also on the. I think he made it into contenders as one of the Overwatch casters. So does he Bem- have SoundCloud? Uh, he may maybe probably does. Go Bemi. Anyways, <laughs> so. Uh, they were paying uh, $100 a, a weekend for a casting crew, which is really nothing when you think about you've got to have somebody produce it and two casters. Like, yep. that's $33.8 a piece. <laughs> and <laughs> and so it, it's not a, a lot of money. Now, think about it. If you're someone who's – if you were asked to work for eight hours a day to produce some content – it, and you're getting paid thirty three dollars. Would that seem like a lot to you? Now I know it's for a charity. I know all this, that, and the other. But still, they paid people, and I can guarantee you they they had to pay two casters and someone to actually, or multiple people to 
run obser- observers on it, and it's hard to find these people. It really is hard to find observers for it. Yeah, so there's this interesting TED talk that I watched years ago, and yes, I'm going to drop a TED talk into an esports podcast, but I think it's actually very relevant here. There's this amazing TED talk that talks about the problem with nonprofits and that we have this weird mentality where we view them spending any money to try to increase their ability to raise funds as a negative thing. If somebody went out and spent $100 million to make $300 million of profit, we wouldn't even bat an eye. But if the same is done by a nonprofit or a charity, we view that as negative. We don't treat them like businesses. And this is the perfect example here. You want to support charity organizations spending money to make money. Now, whether that is somebody raising money for charity or the charity itself, there's a lot of math that goes into it that says, actually, if we would treat these charity and fundraising events more like businesses and they were allowed to, quote unquote, turn a profit, in the long run, we'd raise far more money for these causes because they can't be organizationally efficient because of the fact they get looked down upon for spending any money to make money. And so it is silly to ever think that when money is raised, that the whole 100% amount will go because you have to account for costs. Like People are not going to donate $11,000 in production costs to raise $11,000. Correct. Yeah. And if you look at it, I mean, yeah, they spent $7,000. There's seven point eight thousand dollars, and <laughs> sorry, it's never gonna actually, go away. no, the point eight is the new spend. Uh, <laughs> but I think that it, I think maybe the, maybe it's a little heavy handed. I don't know how many weeks it ran for, but I also know that the Overwatch one was the most watched one for AHGL. Uh, Hearthstone was was not a ton of people, and it was a lot shorter. So they were primarily streaming, I believe, the Overwatch stuff. So they definitely had a, a crew that was in there longer, and you have to have multiple observers to do it. So People love their conspiracy theories. I, I think so. I think so. I think it's I think it's wrong to, to jump down their throat. So let's move on to something we had talked to uh, talked about earlier this year, which is Super Evil Megacorp uh, and their cross-platform pr- play. Uh, it's also a prey move, I think, as well in some aspects. So in 2019, the former mobile-only company will be releasing PC and Mac ports of Vainglory, and they're going to jump into the console market supposedly by the end of next year. Now, they're also claiming that they can achieve parity and play between the platforms, going as far as saying that all their eSports events in 2019 are going to be cross-platform. Do you think they can pull that off? No. Like, oh, come on. So this is... Look, we have a very long-standing history with SEMC. I have all the respect in the world for that organization. They, Unfortunately, they've thrown a lot of this out the window, but they made a big mark in esports, not just mobile esports, but esports in general. And they've thrown that all out the window in what it seems like a very large pivot in the direction of the company. When we used to interview them, it was impossible to talk to them for more than five minutes without getting some line around the fact that the mobile phone is the new console of this generation and that everybody's going to be playing on mobile. And they were raising money because of their mobile first engine and all this stuff. So I've already felt like they have lost their way. They've gone from 3v3 to 535. One more time. They've gone from 3v3 to 5v5. They have gone cross-platform. They have now gone cross-platform to console. And now they're saying just crazy talk. You are never going to make mobile without saying, oh, well, if you play with a mouse and keyboard, which is probably going to be their out here. Finger gestures on a mobile screen against somebody with a mouse and keyboard versus somebody with a controller, there's never going to be parity there. 
This just seems like unless you unless you introduce artificial input lag. Yeah, basically. yeah. Like, are you just going to gimp? Because they even they go as far as saying that nobody should feel hindered, which takes your. If you say that, then you can't use that as an out, which seems like the obvious out, right? Like, play to the lowest common denominator, which means you're going to actually try to play to the highest common denominator, which just seems completely impossible. And I think the story that they are trying to tell with this is getting in the way of sanity, and that they're going to this is going to crash and burn. What legit eSport can you build where I'm playing on my phone and you're playing on your PC and that guy's playing on his console? Yeah, there's going to be the occasional person like, oh, look at the great story. And this is what their PR people are thinking right now. Reality is best teams in eSports in Vainglory in 2019 are going to be on PC. Well, let's let's be honest. You could probably do it with Hearthstone or a TCG. That's about the only one yep. because it's reaction timing. Uh, even then, mobile's still going to lose because you're going to accidentally drag your finger to the wrong card and the bus is going to go boom, fireball boom, boom. in your face. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I well, first of all, you competing for riding the bus. I mean, there was I think someone who did do that in some tournaments, but I'm pretty sure Vainglory people have done that. Yeah, is that what it was? It was Vainglory guy about? was just like playing in a room somewhere and competing in one of their offline or on one of their online tournaments. <laughs> that's pretty funny uh so i i think this is a bit of crazy talk i feel like they maybe vainglory or at least uh well sorry super evil megacorp feels like they have to have some kind of like far-reaching shtick like this is what we're doing we're changing they the can't future. just be like we're a video game engine company that's a perfectly acceptable really, business model because that's that's really what they what they were shooting for and what they've been doing now you mentioned something that they were getting into the chinese market right Yes, yeah, so as part of this, they are also getting into the Chinese market via NetEase. Surprise, surprise. Uh, joint ventures are required. Oh, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm surprised. Are you really? No. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> my fucking heart. <laughs> Thought you'd go fucking law. You, you drank whatever damn Kool-Aid these guys did because they're about to create parody between mobile and uh, joysticks. I don't know. It's super, super weird. So, yeah, they're going to get into China via NetEase, joint venture required to get into the Chinese market. That is obviously a good play for anybody who wants to have a big game because uh, the Chinese market is so massive, and we've seen the Chinese market single-handedly make games um, as far as like audience size. But I, I, don't, I don't know what to do here. Like I, 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 Because I've been an, around for the whole arc of SEMC's story, I agree. This just seems like you're re- you're desperately reaching to have a cool, unique narrative instead of just saying, you know what? We actually have a pretty dope engine that allows you to play. I mean, this is like Unreal level, right? Like you can play, you can build a game that works on all these platforms. That's a really cool story. And you're trying to take it one step further. Like, well, we'll create parody. I don't know. So the other thing I did hear about this is that uh, we talked about them being a mobile a mobile games engine company. Their partnership with NetEase is actually what spawned the Diablo game. Oh, God, don't say that. I'm just joking. <laughs> Anyways. Next up, we've got the Rocket League E-League Cup 2018. And joining me to talk about that, because, you know, Seven decided to be a lame ass and not come with us, is Jules Scott. Hello, Jules. Hello, Brian. I think I just, I feel like I just saw you because I did. We got to you, hang you out did. and do the thing at the E-League Rocket League Cup, which was just, it was pretty damn cool. Did, have we said Rocket League and E-League Cup enough times at the beginning to uh, serve our masters? I think so. I think okay. so. Hi, guys. It's nice to yes, see you. Yes, yes. Uh, to all of our friends at E-League who we hung out with this weekend, we love you guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Did they slip you a $20 bill to plug them? Uh, n- n- no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> no. what I thought. So it was a pretty crazy weekend in the grand scheme of things. So we'll start with probably the craziest news to come out of the E-League Cup, which is the winners were We Dem Girls beating Cloud9 Four to one. So there's a lot being said about them obviously being an unsponsored team. They're not really an organization. They had these hilarious t-shirts that they were wearing. 
But also, they got beaten pretty handily at RLCS just a few weeks ago, and for them to come out and beat Cloud9 in a very dominant fashion, these were not, like, close matches by any stretch of the imagination, other than that one loss, especially in that last game where I think it ended something absurdly, like 5-6-1, to one, uh, they looked incredibly strong against Cloud9. They sure did, and it was funny to see how everybody was just counting them out right away. Oh, no, 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 it's going to be Cloud9 that wins everything. This is it. This is the Nobody considered We Dem Girls. I was which... one of those people, to be fair. Yeah, I know. And by the way, I have been asking around. I couldn't find it on the internet. I asked all the E-League PR people, did they know? Nobody knows where We Dem Girls got their name. I, I've been trying. I, well, I really clearly because We Dem Girls. I guess. I mean, you know. I mean, ignoring the just... fact they're all dudes, but. Exactly. And I love the fact that they have this unique name, Unsponsored Team, and they came out and they absolutely rocked it. And uh, the, the the talk of everything was just like, how is this, how, how is this happening? Is this the upside down? Uh, and it was, it was a blast. It was a blast to watch it. It was a blast to experience it. Um you know, because we didn't get a Cloud9 Dignitas rematch in the finals because of the way the bracket worked out, this was probably something that, I, I mean, unexpected, yes, and exciting, even more, yes. Yeah, it was crazy. We end up getting that rematch in the semifinals, which nobody expected. I think everybody assumed that it would be Dignitas and Cloud9. And to be clear, I don't know that it would have necessarily been a good thing because Cloud9 pretty handily dispatched Dignitas when they met in the semifinals as well, winning that 4-1. Right. And so it's weird, right? And a lot of this happened because Energy, who played really well for up until the playoffs, ended up winning Group A. And so no one expected that to happen. And then Weedem Girls just plowed them 4-2 and then 4-1 against Cloud9. Just a lot of unexpected stuff happening around Weedem Girls, Dignitas, Energy. A lot of people playing very differently than we expected based on their uh, play at RLCS just a few weeks ago. Yes. And I I saw a tweet out there from from Karma, who is one of the players from Splice, who will be entering RLCS this, this coming season. They just made it in through relegation. And... It's very fitting towards the the way that Cloud9, oh, sorry, Cloud9, Rocket League in as, as a whole works, which is that you really can't predict what's going to happen with every championship. There, the teams are that good that there's just like we had Dignitas out there. We thought they were gonna they were gonna dominate with the RLCS championships in six season six. They did not, and now we've gotten different teams taking these championships with these big events. I think that's what makes Rocket League the most exciting esport. Arguably the most most exciting oh, esport oh, to careful. watch right now. Oh. I know you will say this. I will say this because I enjoy the hell out of Rocket League from the standpoint of it's incredibly watchable. And while this is a running joke, it is also true. Very rarely do we go to E-League and get out of there before the following morning. Like right. These matches tend to last forever. And despite how relatively competitive things were until we got to the playoffs... Things still ended relatively quickly. Uh, the only real blowout, I think, that happened on day two was PSG. And for the most part, everything worked out really well. And we still got out of there by 8 o'clock. And I know that seems silly and like, ah, you old people in your bedtimes. But it makes it more watchable for the audience. It makes it easier to digest and see the whole thing from beginning to end. And most importantly, it plays better on TV. Because in order to get it into TV time, they don't have to edit it as heavily. 
Exactly. And now what we can do, we can do the little plug thing because we should do this. We should do the little plug thing for you. Man, they must have flipped you a couple of 20s. This is, I can't take you anywhere. I, I can't say, dude. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's trade secret stuff. Hi, guys. I love you. Um, and so <laughs> do you have any names you want to drop so we can just get it out of the way? Can I just say, can I just say hi to Genfo and Vaughn? Can I just say that? Hi, guys. Thank you so much for, for having wow. me with you on, on Sunday. It was, this is, it was this pretty is awesome. why we can't have nice things, Jules. I know. <laughs> no, they were great. Um, so we will be getting a chance to see all of this again on TBS uh, because there's going to be an eSports 101 for Rocket League that will be starting on December 7th, which is a couple days from now. Then you get to get Is that going to be a really boring episode? No. Because I feel like Rocket League is really easy to explain. (laughs) Well, I learned stuff this time, and I'm not kidding. I'm not, like, blowing smoke at you. I I really did learn stuff about how the players actually function. Because, yeah, you can explain Rocket League as soccer with cars, whatevs. Um, But there's so much more that goes into how the players actually manipulate the ball, how they manipulate themselves, how they set themselves up. It's, It's, yes, you can literally call it simplistic, but... I think this is your best shot at an entry-level eSport to learn how it all works out and just watch it and be like, yeah, I get this. So that's where you're going to do. You're going to watch eSports 101 on December 7th on TBS because that is what's happening. There Look you go. at you. Yeah, so uh, the 14th, 21st, and 28th, we have the semifinals and the grand final all starting at 11 p.m. Eastern and Pacific on TBS. I think another thing that was very interesting is they did a lot of cool integration work across this event. Uh, We've seen E-League dabble in this in the past. They did a little bit of the AR stuff with Street Fighter. We got to see more of that this go-around. They started doing stuff with the Twitch extensions, which is becoming a bigger and bigger thing, where they were actually looping the voting system that people were able to do within Twitch back into the broadcast, which seemed to be getting a lot of usage. So it was really really cool to see E-League, after what I would view as a little bit of a, I wouldn't call a misstep but let's be honest the, the call of duty stuff was not nearly as exciting both from a standpoint of it not really being an esport event and the short time in which they had to turn it around this was more e-league back to its form and it ended up playing really well and because it was tied to the results of rlcs with the exception of that meaning g2 was excluded the previous champions of the e-league cup back in 2017 uh, we still got a very competitive set of matches because it was the eight top teams in rlcs Yes, and if you watched the live broadcast, you were seeing upwards of fifty-five to 60,000 viewers on Twitch for the really hot matches. Yep. People are interested in, in seeing this, and, and it was done extremely well with the Twitch extensions and the voting, and also the broadcast was brought in, they brought AR into the broadcast as well, which was a really cool thing for, if you're watching the, the live stream, and you'll see this in the reruns as well like there was like the ball is sitting on the stage and it's just rotating on the stage in virtual reality the cars are moving on the stage as the players are playing it was it was dope i i I thought that was a really neat way to integrate some ar into there because like you've seen it with dota and i think league of legends has 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 riot done it with league Oh, yeah, they won an award for it because they did the uh, Dragon at Worlds last year that, like, That's flew right. onto the stage, and they won, like, a, a, a the sporting Emmy, I think is what they won for it. And then they did it. They went crazy this year with the whole KDA concert that was largely done in AR. Uh, so it'll be interesting I to see. I think they were trying. <laughs> I think they were, they were trying a little too hard. Of course, you've been dancing in your chair to that damn song for, like, a month. I knew that because I just, okay, just talk it up to the fact that we've been traveling all weekend and I'm tired. <laughs> 
Nope. <laughs> we nope. Were, we yeah, had but you're doing a, a hell of a job filling in for Seven, who also randomly forgets facts that he knows. So Yeah. Well, that's why I have you, to remind me of all the great <laughs> stuff that I should know. Yes, exactly. But overall, super competitive. I mean, we had we had a bunch of 4-2s and 4-3s in the group stages. Like I said, there was a PSG blowout by Chiefs and a Cloud9 blowout of Chiefs by... Um, in the lower bracket, but for the most part, uh, fairly competitive matches. The big surprises of the weekend beyond We Them Girls winning is Cloud9 not winning their group, which is what ultimately set us in this weird scenario because I think everybody assumed based on what happened in our LCS that they would be the Group A winner, David Toss would be the Group B winner, and we'd end up with a final of those two. But instead, NRG, which is a big, fairly big surprise, ends up winning Group A, which knocked Cloud9 down against the Group B winner, which was Dignitas. So Cloud9 stumbled multiple times during this. Um, in the end, it didn't actually bite them as, in the way that you would have expected it to, because you would have thought, oh, this will be a chance for Dignitas to get their revenge. But largely, Dignitas, Dignitas got rolled by Cloud9. Uh, PSG had a, uh, a very painful time of it, uh, this go-around. But everybody else had a pretty strong showing. I'd say PSG and Chiefs probably struggled the most. Um, but we saw Flipside playing really well. Evil Geniuses was doing, eh, oh, you know, okay. They had some tough, you know, they definitely had some tough matches in the upper bracket. They were against Dignitas and lost, which knocked them down into the lower bracket where they ultimately um, found themselves playing up against the uh, eventual winners in Weedem Girls. So they had a tough go of it. But overall, very, very competitive. A ton of fun to watch from beginning to end. I did not nearly demonstrate as much of a skill gap as we even saw at our LCS, which I thought was very interesting because uh, some of those earlier matches um, at our LCS were a little snooze fest. But here we didn't necessarily have as much of that. Yeah, I, I do think that this is going to be an indicator for season seven as the talent tends to just become more defined as a group. They're they're getting stronger. Everyone's getting stronger. And Dignitas is not the runaway favorites anymore. So now you're going to see those new contenders popping up and maybe that dynasty is now going to reach its end. So um, it already has. I mean, this. I think this is a good indicator of that. They were sounding a little dejected on Twitter as I was checking the checking the feeds. So yeah, I mean, two two straight losses to Cloud Nine despite winning their group. Um, and I, I think another interesting point here is NRG did incredibly well. Four uh, one Chiefs, four two Cloud Nine. Uh, and ironically enough, the team who had the best performance outside of Weedem Girls who beat them against Cloud9 was PSG, mm-hmm. which is yeah. just, you know, which makes zero sense. But overall, yeah, I, I agree. I think this is very, this is, there's a lot of good signs, depending on how these rosters hold up going into the uh, season seven of our LCS, that we could potentially see a lot more competitiveness. I imagine Weedem Girls will be sponsored come next season, or they better well be, because it just kind of seems silly at this point not to, given both. They had fairly strong performances at RLCS, to be fair, uh, and then you know built on those and had a pretty handy uh, dispatch of a lot of uh, top tier teams in uh, the E League Cup. So overall, I think super impressive. It'll be shocked if they are not sponsored, though. I, I would be sad to see those interesting T shirts go away. I agree on on all counts because the T shirts are rocking. But those guys deserve some money. <laughs> so, but overall, E League Cup was a really cool event. Definitely worth watching, and uh, we we enjoyed ourselves. We had a good time this weekend. Yep, and uh, a couple interns walked away with some $20 bills, clearly. So good for them as well. <laughs> Shout-outs to Duran and Mario. <laughs> See? I knew it. I knew it. 
Oh, man. So, of course, again, if you want to check this out, December 7th is the Esports 101 for Rocket League over on TBS. And then the 14th, 21st, and 28th will give you the two semifinals as well as the grand final. And, of course, you can check the VOD out as well over on the Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash TV. And those are all going to be on TBS at 11 p.m. Eastern and Pacific, depending on where you are. So next up, most of the speculation around Hearthstone Esports out of China was cleared up this past week as Team 5 made an official announcement about the game's competitive future. I heard Seven groan from across the city when this information came out. There's a ton to unpack here. Where do we even start with this? Because uh, clearly not going to be the HCT of old. No, I <laughs> groan. It wasn't really... It, it's, no, it was it's a groan. Confusing. It's somewhat confusing. But uh. so there was... Let's not do that, man. You were editing that one time and you kept going, uh, and I kept laughing so hard I almost peed myself. Uh, anyway, so the HCT, as we know, is basically going to flip on its head after the uh, the grand finals coming this spring. So they're switching over to a new three-tiered competitive system, which is, is kind, of, kind of weird. So you've got uh, the... First part consists of online qualifiers. The second part consists of live global tournaments. And then the last one is an exclusive top tier, which is largely like invite only stuff. And hey, well, you know what they're doing? They're trying to fix your problem where we complain about how there's not enough consistency in the people who compete. So it's hard to get behind somebody. Yeah, it, it's true. They basically they're getting rid of what sounds like the tour stops. Uh, but the, the, the thing that they are doing is jumping up their prize pool to four million. I'll get to why they're jumping their prize pool later. Uh, so the qualifiers, which is the first uh, rung of that, that ladder essentially is the, uh, Hearthstone Esports plans to run hundreds, correct, hundreds of region free qualifier tournaments. So the, they're primarily this online, poorly. obviously, and they're in conjunction with the third party platform partner. Which is around for the for the competitions? Is it Netties? <laughs> Probably, but if you think about it, they ditched tournament mode, and now we know why. Now we know why because and I'll get to that again. No, no, in a no, second. no. It was all about giving you the best experience, and they were unable to provide it. So, so that's exactly my thing. So with that, okay. So the tournament grinding in the past has been a problem. Um, that was back when we had like Strivewire was around, uh, but that was also accompanied by earning points via the ladder system. So you yep. had to do both. They then changed it where it wasn't like if you grind a bunch of, cause it used to be, if you grind a tournament, you won, you got points and you could just stack those points throughout a month. Well, then they changed it to where you could only get the top placement, but now Strivewire doesn't exist. Right. Uh, so they're, they're, they have something, they have to figure it out. Uh, so it's hard to tell if the new model is going to be bad, better or worse or the same. So, but we also know now why the tournament system was shelved. It wasn't because they couldn't meet player expectations. It was because they couldn't get it to work with their with within their expectations. Yep. And uh, they still don't have their format figured out. So it could be that their new format doesn't work well with what they had built, and they were going to have to scrap it all together. Yeah. How, how dare we release a, a an actual tournament mode that doesn't support our own esports tournaments? Right. Because that would be embarrassing. The conquest format is out. Uh, there is a new format uh, which will be, according to them, unveiled in the next couple of months. And yeah, which means we don't know what it is. Yet. <laughs> right. Means they're trying to figure it out. Means they're going to launch in China to figure out the team league stuff. See how people yeah. react to that. Yep. The with the the side uh, the sideboard piece. Well, the reaction to global games probably gave them some nerves about that as a format. Possibly, possibly, and I, they've got to be giving themselves out because that's like the biggest complaint is that that is pretty damn boring of a, a format. 
So uh, the second rung, which is the Live Global Tournament, uh, there will only be three invite-only ones this year, but then they plan on expanding that more in 2020. So that's where they're saving a ton of money by not having to ship casters and production crews and things around. They don't have to rely on other people. Yep. They're going to do it all out of a studio, more likely in the same uh, in L.A., the same one with Overwatch because they've got a side studio there. Well, they've got to find use for that studio because next year they're going to ship uh, Overwatch League off to other studios you know, because that's when the region <laughs> stuff is going to happen. <laughs> right, right. My favorite right. part about this, though, is each one of those event is, events is going to have a 250.0K prize pool. <laughs> so also, the uh, from a Premier Play standpoint, which is the top tier, uh, they want to do seasonal round-robin online co- competitions. They want to split it into regional divisions. Uh, but the thing is, with the this is where I don't get uh, how this happens or where the connection from the online qualifiers are, because the online qualifiers are region-free. So what happens if, say for instance, all every tournament, everybody all, who qualifies is all NA? Right, it's all North American players, which won't happen. But everybody in the EU is like, it's all going to be us. But and that's to, probably to true. To be fair, like, how are you going to guarantee there be a specific number of winners from a certain regions unless you take all those online qualifiers and only say so many are? Well, you, you our, can't our top, because our top you can seed, read it. Our top seeded NA player was ranked 355th in the last online qualifier. Yeah, it's it's weird. I, I don't get how you're going to balance that. So they again, they they, they kind of slapped TBD on a lot of this stuff. I think is because maybe they didn't think part of this through. They're trying to figure it out because if you're again, you're re- going region free, so you can't say the top people from North America. Or we only go, we're going to do 100 tournaments in North America. You can't because you can play wherever you want. I feel like people at Blizzard were like, so the HGC came around, they're like, let's make a complicated format that nobody understands. And then somebody at Overwatch League, oh yeah, we'll show you complicated, hold my beer. And then they make the super complicated Overwatch League one, and then somebody in Hearthstone's like, hold both my beers, I'm going to make this thing so damn complicated, we don't even know what's going it's on. It's like, I own this tavern. <laughs> yes, yeah, so this tavern is mine. But I mean, to be honest, I, it's it's not complicated, except for, except for the fact of how they're laying this out and they've left some loopholes to be open or like left some loopholes open and you don't understand totally where they're at like with the format don't know how that's going to be and even with premiere play they still are like yeah it's all kind of tbd on how it plays out and so uh the one other thing that a lot of people were freaking out about when it came to the team league stuff happening was like what happens to all the hct points i've earned because there was a thing where if you hit so many points you became like a, a three-star master or two-star whatever maybe we'll give you some free packs and they give you, be fine. they give you yeah right you get some free packs uh only they, classic they would though. give you like additional money to 10 tournaments uh they're actually extending that out and they're they're revising that tbd but they're also giving people the chance tbd to- is code for shit we didn't think of that hold on <laughs> Yeah, it's basically we want to dump this on you and then let people adjust to this being the the reality and then dump the worst stuff on you is what ends up happening sometimes. But I don't want to say that that's what's going to happen with Hearthstone, but that's what people I'm were afraid sure of. But what, what they did said. do is uh, they are, the points that were slated to roll over here in December uh, are staying and they'll continue on till March. So you can still... O- you can still earn HCT points to, towards that that thing. What was that? Are you making random noises again? Why, why can't we just have a normal, normal, peaceful show without it you? It was the dog make, making some random noise. Anyways, uh, so those points, I don't even know where the hell I was talking about. Anyways, they'll continue on. The one big question on all of this is ladder. There's been no speculation on how you earn any kind TBD. of qualification, any kind of points. And if if there's nothing behind ladder, what's the point of playing ladder then? Uh, because you the thrill of the hunt. Sure, I, have no I guess so. I guess I don't know. I really really don't know where they're going to go with that if they don't do something with ladder. Okay, 
the fun part of uh, this this weekend for me was the Tekken tournament. Oh, look Tekken at you. World Tour. Yeah, I actually really got into it. So during the Tekken World Seven Tour, uh, Bandai Namco decided to drop a handful of new trailers, including ones uh, for Craig Marduk, the Armor King, and uh, who who will both actually go live by Monday, but the one, the one that I was really waiting for, we finally got was Negan. So the Negan trailer that we saw at Evo was really just like a graphic and a voiceover. It wasn't much of anything. It's what they should have done for Diablo (laughs) four. Yeah. There should have been a cue there. Uh, how to do it in reverse. Uh, anyways, uh, but now we actually get to see gameplay and, uh, I'm pretty sure we were skeptical before, but how are you now? Uh, I'm a believer. And now, to be clear, I'm not a Walking Dead fan at all. Um, I just didn't. Never... I, I am. And that intro, that whole trailer for him was yeah, almost shot noise. for shot. The, what happened in Walking Dead. It was really good. It was well done. I think it might be the best reveal trailer I thought I've I ever saw seen. a tear just like coming down. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so I'm not a Walking Dead fan. It's not that I hate the show. I just never really got into it. It sounds like I saved myself from at least four seasons of uh, murderous boredom. <laughs> but Maybe six. Yeah. <laughs> maybe six. Good Lord. I've lost track. But... He fits the style of Tekken very well, both in character design and in fighting style. And I, that is what impressed me about it. Like, if, I, if you came in and you had no idea who The Walking Dead was or Negan or any of that, you still are like, huh, this character fits in right. Tekken. Like, this is just a Tekken character. He's got a leather jacket. He's got a baseball bat. All this seems perfectly reasonable. It makes a hell of a lot more sense than a panda. So <laughs> it does. It does. I don't know how we can hate anything that Namco comes out with for Tekken as long as there's a panda involved. So... I mean, kudos. I thought it was great. I, I think it uh, exceeded my expectations, and I'm looking forward to getting owned on by him on ladder. So I, w- I was waiting for the the, the like head crushing move that he has, which is the one that they kind of previewed right at the end, where he did the eeny meeny money mo, yep. uh, which is what he did in the show, it, and I think he also did in the comic. It's uh, it, it's pretty impressive. I think it's I think it's cool. Yeah. Speaking of that panda, so Rangchu won the Tekken World Tour this past weekend the hard way with Panda, a move so unorthodox that during the award ceremony, a shocked Tekken producer, Katsuhiro Harada, had one last question for the champion before heading over the trophy, and he said, "Panda, Panda, really? Are you all about that panda life?" <laughs> I mean. It was it was really impressive. If you get a chance, go back and just even watch the finals uh, that Ring Chu was in, in in the crowd and the chat. If you watch tw- Twitch chat, they're like, "Is he really doing this? Is he really doing this?" And then they were going like, they were, "Everybody was saying Nerf Panda, Nerf Panda," because Ring Chu did this, and and I'll tell you how unorthodox a move it was. So no one has ever won a major Tekken tournament with Panda. No, I remember when Panda got pulled out at Evo, and people were like, what? And then it didn't go very well. (laughs) Right, right. No one can even remember the last time Panda was seen in a Grand Finals match, because I don't believe it ever that moment ever exists. Nope. And recent tier lists have Panda listed as one of the worst characters in Tekken. Actually, I think the third worst, to be exact. They craziness that he would do this so what happened is is as you mentioned his his road to the finals wasn't easy he was dumped down to the losers bracket in the winner semifinal round by knee who's the tekken world tours number one ranked player i don't know why i had to think about that he's number one it's not like i I have to do the math to get to one is he between one and 1.0 i don't know 1.0 (laughs) k um so that's what spurred his switch to panda and so not only did he have to work his way back through the lower bracket he swept his next two opponents uh three to nothing before getting back to uh his his revenge shot against knee who he then defeated three to one then he went to the grand finals match against uh kudans 
or Kudans, I think it's Kudans, uh, and who's last year's Tekken World Champion. I always say it backwards. It doesn't matter. People are going to make fun of you say. one way or the other. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyways, so he was last year's Tekken World Champion. So he reset him three to one and then went on to get the actual title for himself by once again toppling him three to one. All, All this with Panda. Panda. It's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. Even the caster's like, I don't even know how to talk about this. This makes no <laughs> sense. But but kudos to Ring Chu for, in the end, like the last maybe couple rounds, or at least in the, in, the, in the reset match, he changed up a lot of what he was doing. So as soon as uh, uh, Kudan's figured out, like, essentially his, his tactics and how he was going to jump into fights, he would switch it. And it was just like, nobody knows how to play against Panda, evidently. Nope. Not only is he awesome with Panda, but he can play multiple versions of Panda, which was just crazy to yeah. watch. Yeah, it was it, just the fact that he would jump in. That's uh, skill right there. And, and, you know, you'll hear fighting game players from time to time make the comment about the tier of player doesn't matter to the great the tier of character does not matter to the great player that they can win with trash characters and we've seen this tested in a few different games especially at evo but this is probably the most shining example that we have ever seen where somebody just takes a literally horrible character that is underpowered not balanced correctly has a bunch of hard counters and still not just win a match or win a grand final with him but win the entire tournament playing him the whole way through (laughs) win the actual tour finals like crazy absolutely crazy crazy. and this is like kind of like what we talked about cloud nine would do during league of legends which is pick these total off tier total off meta picks and and nobody except this one worked that's kind of where i was going with it let's move on to our next one uh which is uh the vancouver titans people who i know you're waiting to hear about so they finally were introduced to the world becoming the seventh overwatch league expansion team to make its debut the titans also revealed their roster which is composed entirely of the former runaway roster from overwatch season uh, overwatch contenders season two vancouver was the one team that wasn't in that api league so it kind of left us questioning uh, are you surprised are you are you feeling it is is this your team now brian um so why does it look like a sasquatch but they're called the titans so i i I, there's a correlation with Sasquatch in the Pacific Northwest. Although I, that I get. Right, right, right. Titans, technically, I guess, are like larger people, so maybe that's a large that's person. A, that's a bit of a stretch. Well, come on. Look at some of these other things. That's uh, true. I mean, it, I will say they have the best logo. Yeah, I think I feel good about saying that. The best logo out of the expansion teams. Uh, I know. The Spark, man. The Spark. You hate the spark, but I think the spark works. The finger gun? I think the finger guns work. Oh, God. That's so cringy. Uh, another interesting point here that I want to talk about for a second is how competitive are these expansion teams going to be this season? While there have definitely been some that have made some marquee signings, for the most part, they have gotten their way, and this is why Overwatch Contender is going to be weird next season. A lot of them have co-opted part or all of certain contenders teams in order to make their rosters and i feel like they're gonna have a tough time competing against the fairly heavily loaded teams in the original teams that were part of overwatch league because a lot of them there has been some roster moves for sure but not enough where i feel like it is rebalanced it just seems like it's going to be a weird season where and this is the case normally with expansion teams but to have almost half of the league be expansion teams and there to be that big of a golf in play i worry is just going to exacerbate a problem that we have already seen which is like the top four to six teams are amazing and everything else sucks and this is just going to make it worse and there's the shanghai dragons maybe the shanghai dragons will win now 
I think they 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 might. No, they they will. I, I think that uh, I'm saying that. I'm even, not even really sure. That You're like, oh, they will. Well, actually, I'm not quite sure who so, this. I'm. So the thing is, is it, we we said the exact opposite of Dallas Fuel prior to them going there. They're like, oh, they're going to steamroll everybody because they were they had an amazing the top, roster, the top talent, the amazing roster, and they end up not doing it. And if you look at the fusion, they were kind of a mi- mixed bag of people of Didn't players. Didn't play in the. Uh... The initial uh, right. preseason. Yeah. Right. And then they end up turning out to be one of the top teams. And so I think anything can really still happen in Overwatch, especially when you have four teams uh, or you have, well, sorry, uh, half of your teams are the expansion teams. And and in doing so, you will have a lot of them run middle of the pack, I think. I think we'll have some surprise ones pop up on maybe at certain stages. But I don't think any of these end up being NYXL, Spitfire, like they don't end up hitting it at that wrong. Right. Though, I mean, to be fair, they will at least have all played together before. That's the one bonus that the Titans actually have for them is that they co-opted an entire team which knows how to communicate. And they don't have to do the overhead of Mandarin to English to do it. And so I think that was very, very smart of them. Well, it may not be the, the best choice of teams. I think it's still doable. I, look at We Dem Girls. You don't have to be an esports organization or even a team necessarily to come out and... and, and do something amazing. I wonder I, if I can buy one of those We Dem Girls t-shirts. I'm sure you can now, uh, but quickly before they change to, uh, was it, who was who the league team that just reminded, like Vitality or something like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. That last week that we were saying, they're probably going to buy We Dem Girls. Someone's definitely buying yeah, We Dem Girls. Yeah, someone's buying We Dem Girls for sure. Uh, so not only do we get the seventh Overwatch League team, we also got the eighth Overwatch League team in the Washington Justice. Now, this one was leaked as part of that API leak uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, another red, white, and blue team. This makes the NYXL, the Paris Eternal, Washington Justice. Uh, maybe it's time for Blizzard to expand their color palette. Of course, I say that while also making fun of the Hongju Spark and their color. But you know, I, now but they don't look so bad now comparatively. I mean, they still look bad, but they uh, are different. That is for sure. That's, they stand out. That's true. I, I'm confused by the fact that all of them are very similar, red and blue. They did all this work to make it so that people can tell which team is which, and then you can't. And then you can't. And unlike like the English Premier League, where red and blue mean certain things, like you've got uh, the red teams versus the, the blue teams. It, there, there, there's no real like heavy primary color on either of them. They're very a mishmash of it's the all two red and blue. It also makes, yeah, I mean, to your point, they've done all this work in game to make them stand out. Though largely, it's always a colored team versus the white team is what right. they always end up with, whether it's pink or blue or gold or whatever the primary color. Right, is. but on the next on the next round, you switch to the same thing and it ends up being that they're both red and blue, oh, red and blue. What is white? The white. This is the like white there was version? this hilarious moment at Rocket League where it was Cloud Nine versus Dignitas, and Cloud Nine was the orange team, and Dignitas was the blue team, and people were all super confused. Uh, yeah, there's still that cognitive dissonance. I think in general, I'm a little disappointed in the general expansion of the color palette. There's definitely been some interesting ones, but we've seen like there's a lot of red and blue teams. I think it was what the uh, Chengdu Hunters have oh, basically the same color scheme as the uh, as Seoul does. So there's definitely not as much diversity, and because they don't have these big blazing logos on the skins, and right. that also makes it a little bit hard to pick out one from the other, and they're basically forced to invert them. But to your point, like if there's three teams of red and blue, one's red, one's blue, the third one just gets stuck with white, I guess. They're just going to get like uh, what the striped stockings. Their legs will just be striped. I don't know. I don't know really where they where they end up wanting to go with it. Yep. And to wrap things up this week, Epic Games has thrown everyone a curveball. The company is launching its own store and most importantly is going to take a smaller cut than Steam. 
Epic is high on that Fortnite money right now. Now, they've recently raised, what, $1.6 billion? Maybe this is what it was for, but this is a massive play by Epic. This is exactly why that money is. They knew they've got all they've got all of the people uh, playing Fortnite. They've got the headcount for it. They're not even on Steam, right? And they've still got it. So, of course, it makes sense for them to say, hey, we've got just as many players as basically all of Steam, so let's just go ahead and open up our own store. I'm surprised by it. It's not a move I would have thought Epic would do. Right. But because we were questioning, like, why all this, why all the billions? That's a lot of money just to make Fortnite skins. Of course, they're about to get sued as well. So maybe they're going to need to set some of that uh, aside. Yeah. So <laughs> they're going to make uh, tons of money on, on the, the fact that even though I think they're taking like a 12% versus uh, a 30%. Yeah. 30% so they're doing 88 12 split versus a 70 30 split that Steam takes. This is interesting because there's been a lot of news very recently about specifically the cut that steam is taking how the review system has hurt independent developers there's been a lot of shade thrown valve and steam's direction in the last few months i don't want to be a conspiracy theorist and say that this is something that epic has injected into the news cycle but it certainly is a good opportunity for them to get positive press by drastically increasing the amount of money that these developers are going to be able to make if they sell their games in the epic store and like you said you're now jamming hundreds of millions of players through the epic launcher that will guarantee have the store wired into it and those are precious eyeballs that you could potentially get to buy your indie game for 9.99 and to be to to be fair steam hasn't had a huge contender against its library of games for the longest time and it may very well be that people aren't going to jump over to Fortnite store or Epic store to do so. But I bet that one of the things that Steam has never had is somebody with this many eyeballs playing their game and then offering stuff. So Discord yep. doing stuff. Twitch was a big threat, but Twitch somehow has just dropped the damn ball. I don't know how the hell they did it. Uh, they, as usual, have made it super complicated to understand where the hell to go and what's... Included. Right, it's Twitch. It's Amazon. The, o- the only stuff. time I've ever thought about the Twitch store is when they just spam me with all those games I don't care about that have given me some sort of Twitch Prime offer this month. Exactly, exactly. I, I don't know how they failed to do that. They were, they were ripe to pick up that that torch. They were slated to do so, and they fell on that. Discord is kind of still not the same, right? I mean, they've got good reach. Uh, but they have, they're still trying to figure out how do I integrate this into Yeah, and that's not a habit that people have, right? Like, you're not spending right. a bunch of time on that unified launch activity page where they put the store largely. Right, right. But you are spending tons of money in Fortnite, and so you're used to those store transactions. It's going to happen. I think, I yeah. think this is the biggest threat to Steam that has ever come about. And all they have to do, think about this, right? What if they just pushed the purchasing of those skins up to the store level? Oh, yeah. Yeah, people are right there. Now, from an indie game standpoint, yeah, it's amazing. I think uh, Steam uh, has had the issues with the green light. They've had issues with just uh, getting people on the store, and then they kind of just backed completely out. So we're not going to gate anything going on in the store, so the store kind of gets cluttered. The one thing I hope that Epic does do is some curation on it to keep things at a quality level. I think Steam... The problem is, is like sometimes you get these weird outliers of like games like undertale most people have been like that game's awful but it blew up because yep. it was actually was good but visually it's hard to sell that game visually it's hard to understand uh why it would be so amazing but it ended up being great and so there's a lot of the games that are like that and for every one of those games the whole community is like see steam wouldn't have let that in normally but 
you know, now that they've lowered their standards, it comes in and ends up being amazing. Goat because simulator. there were some there were some games that were getting pushed out of the system and or not being able to get through Greenlight. They were yep. still amazing games. And uh, so we'll see what Epic does with it. But this is this is huge. Yeah, definitely. And I, I hinted at a little piece of news I'll, I'll, I'll loop back to real quick. So Epic is getting sued finally for one of the dances that they've included. So the Millie Rock, which was stolen from a hip-hop artist, that hip-hop artist is now suing Epic, saying that they never went and got permission from him to use the Millie Rock in the game. And this has been a very interesting topic around especially uh, black artists because they've said the black culture has created a lot of these dances that now a bunch of like little white kids are running around and doing. And as usual, you have no problem co-oping our culture, but you won't pay us for doing that. And now Millie Rock's going to be the first dance to get tested. And if they end up being able to either get money or get the Millie Rock removed from the games, it'd be very interesting to see. There was also some shade thrown, um, I forget the guy's name, but the guy who plays Turk on Scrubs, his dance from the Scrubs television show is also in the game. And it was joking, but him and the producer of the of Scrubs threw Shaded Epic saying that, yeah, we're not seeing any money from that either. So it's very, very interesting. I'm sure Epic has, at least to enough point where they're willing to trade the money for the risk, have vetted this to the point where they thought they could get away with it. But now this is the first time we'll see this truly tested. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird gray area, right? Because you can copyright or trademark... Uh, certain looks, right? Or like logos. Uh, you can yep. copyright like music. And dance is one that has not necessarily been trademarkable per se. Yeah, because how do you trademark somebody's body movement? Like yep, that's just yep. kind of weird, right? We've seen this. Uh, tattoos were another thing where this has come up, where the artist of a basketball player's tattoos has sued EA because they try to make a realistic version of a player who has somebody's tattoos on them. And that artist has sued for not getting paid for the art that is on the person's body. So it is... I mean, that's a bit of a jump, but it, that is something tangible, essentially. Sort it's of, kind of, of. I mean, technically everything on my body is trademarked that my artist obviously did not pay any money to have Mega Man or Batman or the Lich King on my body. So it's very interesting. It's a weird space. Your body is a weird space, yes. I, I was totally saying that. <laughs> it's because we just ate that. We split a pizza before the show. Yes, yeah. yes, my body is get the always... the pizza sweats. I get the pizza sweats. Oh, man. Let's get out of this shit show. Uh, so, as always, if for some reason after all of this you want to, you can still catch us every Monday and Thursday normally on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Just head over to eleagueReport.com for all the ways you can listen to subscribe. And while you're over there, be sure to leave us a five-star review. Those help people discover the show. They've been doing wonders for us the last few weeks, so really stoked with everybody who's left us a five-star review. If you leave a written one, we will make sure to uh, shout you out on air. Uh, you can also hit us up on Discord at discord.eleague report.com we had the strangest one over the weekend where somebody got on and asked jules if she knew uh how are the specs of the pcs that people were using on rocket league because we were for (laughs) e-league really so i didn't realize that that's what they were asking yeah they like dm'd her super weird so by the way we don't actually know the specs of those pcs so sorry we couldn't help there but if you have other crazy questions ask them and we'll do our best not to answer them for you and if that's not enough esports content for you be sure to check out e-league daily for the day's top headlines available at amazon echo flash briefing and in regular old podcast form and coming up this friday the e-league esports 101 will be at 11 p.m eastern and pacific on tbs and this time they'll be doing rocket league uh, conveniently enough as the semi finals and the grand finals will be coming up over the course of the next three weeks after that also at 11 p.m eastern and pacific Whew, all about that rocket league it was good it was a good weekend it was a very good weekend between the panda and weed em girls like peak esports yep 
PDs yep. for us. All you can ask for. Yeah, exactly. That's going to do it this week. We will be back next Monday at the regular schedule with the latest edition of the Evening Report.